Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hi, James. Hey, Scott. What are we chatting about today? Well, today's a little heavier episode, but an important episode. And it's, uh, what issues do I need to consider if a parent passes away? Yeah. So not fun. No. But something that's on a lot of people's hearts and minds, not just when a parent passes, but even leading up to when a parent might pass. And so yeah. what can they start to think about to not prepare for that time? Because it's always difficult, but to make that as streamlined and seamless as possible. Yep. Uh, and, you know, um, I've had this happen with clients where a, a parent will pass away. I know that we were just chatting. You'd had this happen as well. So wanted to bring it up because not only will we walk through some of the things that we think about, and we're not necessarily going to go into detail about every single piece. We're going to go pretty high level today. But it could be helpful for you to think about having conversations with your parents to get a better understanding of have they thought through some of these things because it will make it easier for them and easier for all of you as a family um, yeah. when you sadly do one day have to deal with this. And we all inevitably will have to face this moment in time yeah yeah and never easy but let's let's see if we can help to alleviate some of the swirling questions that people are going to have um ahead of time and so we'll break it down we'll talk about what do you do with parents income what do you do from a tax perspective what do you do with assets debts other issues yeah pretty high level but let's start with income and so depending upon how old your parent was when they passed there's a good likelihood that maybe they're collecting social security yeah Social security is an income that you receive anywhere from age 62 to 70. And so if they are, um, sometimes you may need to notify social security that that is that they've, that they've passed and they need to stop. Other times when you receive a death certificate, that kind of just gets automatically pushed to social security and they'll be notified and that will stop. And yeah. if people start to ask, there's this income coming in, my parent just passed, do, do, they start stressing out about what do I need to start doing to, to shut this down? Social Security, thankfully, a lot of times you don't necessarily need to do anything um, if the death certificate gets pushed to them. Yeah, good point. And as we start talking through this, first of all, this there's, this is a hard convert, hard thing to think about. So we, we are going to give it to you from the financial lens that James just described. But if you do lose a loved one, um, our, uh, you know, we are, we are, are with you 100% and we hope that um, it's as, as easy as possible and lots of joy and love uh, around for all of you. But I think there's two lenses we should look at when we chat about this, James. One is um, family, final uh, mom or dad passes away. Yes. And then the other is one of them passes away and there's a, there's perhaps a spouse that remains alive. Yes. And there's kind of nuance there between the two. So I think we should probably chat about that a little bit um, as we're looking through this. Because that would, that would change it some would. of these conversations. Like Social Security, if... If I already passed and Amanda was still alive and, and then she passed and, and Lucas and Daxton are figuring out what to do, well, it's reach out to Social Security and turn off mom's Social Security and right. and that's that, right? But if, if I passed and she's still alive and, and they're trying to help her, well, in that moment, you're, you're going to want to go look at, well, 
mom, like, you know, if, if she needs help, she wouldn't because she's just so on it all the time. But uh, if she does need help and we want to be there to help her, and Daxton and Lucas would definitely want to be there to help her, would it be beneficial for her to keep her current benefit or would it be more beneficial for her to take on the survivor benefit at Social Security? Yeah, and, and thank you for, for that because there is obviously a clear difference in what you do if there's still a surviving spouse or if this is the second spouse to pass or second parent to pass. Right. And you're right. If, there, if, you, if a parent passes and they are survived by their spouse, the Social Security decision is a lot different. The surviving spouse has the opportunity to look at what benefit they are receiving, their own Social Security benefit. Or they can look at what was the benefit of the deceased spouse, and they can take the higher of those two benefits. So yep. so that's a nice thing. Sometimes there's additional strategies where you can coordinate the timing of that, where maybe they continue to collect their own benefit while the other spouse, the deceased spouse, their benefit continues to grow, even though they're no longer with us. Mm-hmm. So there's there are some strategies involved with that, but the good news is they get to collect either the, the higher of their own benefit or their deceased spouse's benefit right okay so i think we got social security nailed down now um some parents will have been working at old corporate jobs and or through cities and states and they'll have pension income yeah or the military and so there'll they'll be a pension that has to be dealt with as well yeah and and pensions are are unique in that you can choose different types of benefits depending on the pension you can choose to collect maybe a parent chose to collect what's called a hundred percent um joint survivor benefit, mm-hmm. which means if the person with the pension passes away, the spouse continues to receive the same exact amount. So let's just make um, Amanda and I the example today. We'll just yeah. assume that, that I, I had a pension and I chose the, the I, well, two different things. One is I chose single life expectancy option first. Yes. Uh, and Amanda was, was along for the ride with me and I just passed. What happens now? So if you choose single life expectancy, the single life annuity, it's done. It was based upon one single life, which was Scott's life. And when Scott passes away, there's nothing left for Amanda. That cash flow turned off. Amanda doesn't get it anymore. Or I could have chosen um, a joint, a certain type of a survivor benefit to varying degrees, whether it be the equal amount from, from when we're both alive to when it just goes to Amanda being here, or there's some gradient depending upon right. the option. Right. And in that case, you would have accepted a lower benefit to start with for choosing that. But the benefit is now Amanda gets some benefit if you predecease her. Right. And so that it changes, but it's still a benefit that she gets. Yes. And, and more often than not, our wives outlive husbands. So if husband has the pension option, it can be really worth taking a look at choosing jointly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so social security and pension, there's that uh, required minimum distributions. So if your parents are 72 years old or older, when one of them passes, required minimum distributions is something they'll need to be thinking about from their IRAs and other pre-tax retirement accounts. Yep. So this this is going to be also different based upon whether there's a surviving spouse or not. Yep. But in the year that they pass, you need to make sure that the required minimum distribution was taken if they are at the age where that's required. Um, except th- for this year, because with COVID, you don't have except to for that, this year. CARES Act. Yes, thank you. <laughs> did an episode on that sometime. Yeah, Forget which did. one it was. We did. But there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of stuff going on there. And you may have never heard of a required minimum distribution before. That's where you guys are saving to the 401k accounts and the IRAs. And we put that money away and we didn't pay taxes. And then once you reach, it used to be age 70 and a half with the most recent tax law. It's now age 72. Once you reach that age, you are forced to start taking money out of those accounts. And so if you pass away um, mid-year and you haven't taken the money out yet, you still have to do it. Right. 
Yes, exactly. And then there's there's also the question this gets more into the assets portion, which we'll cover, but the RMD is typically coming from an IRA or a 401k. And as a surviving spouse, you can simply inherit that and that account goes into your name. Or if both spouses have passed, both parents have passed, and you as a child are looking at this, you would open what's called an inherited IRA to transfer that account into, which we'll talk about more in a second. Yep. So other, the only other main form of income that we normally see is um, sometimes people have annuities. Yeah. And annuities are different. And so this one's a little tricky, whether it was an annuity inside of, say, an IRA, whether it was a non-qualified annuity, whether it was a um, kind of like the pension option we talked about, a single life annuity where it pays a specific amount of income until the parent passes yep. or the individual passes and then goes away. So with an annuity, that's where you need to see what type of an annuity was it. Yep. Was it a fixed single life single that there's there's more details there but just understand there's options that you'll need to take a deeper look onto and the biggest thing was like where are your income sources right so if you get if hopefully none of you have a, a parent that's passed yet and you're thinking like hmm i'd want to be able to help them so based on the conversation we've just had if you can sit down with mom and dad and have a serious heart to heart around their finances to be able to help them if they ever need help mom and dad what are your income sources you get Social Security? Do you get pensions? Do you take required minimum distributions? Do you have um, annuity income? You know, one thing we didn't add in here, but a lot of families will have, you know, over the years, you may have built up rental income as well. So maybe getting right. income from rental assets and things like that. That kind of ties into the balance sheet next. But where's all the places that mom and dad receive income? Right. The, be- the more you know that, the easier it is to help them if you ever need to help them. Yes, exactly. So those are the income parts. Um, and then the next thing to look at is their their assets. So yep. the, the one of the biggest assets oftentimes is the home. Yep. So on their balance sheet. Yep. Primary residence. What do they own? And mm-hmm. if there's a surviving spouse, so maybe one parent passes and the other parent survives them, well, they still keep the home. And depending upon the state they live in, there may be a step up in basis, which means if that spouse then wanted to sell the home and move elsewhere, uh, they could do so without any tax consequences potentially Um, if both parents have passed and you're inheriting the home then that's something that again it depends on who the beneficiaries are maybe it's you maybe it's you and siblings let's assume for a second it's just it's just you it's you scott you would need to file a deed to change the ownership of that home Mm -hmm. so hopefully the home was in a trust and you can show that that you are the beneficiary of that trust and you simply switch the deed but the home has also what's called a step up in basis where say your parents bought the home for Two hundred thousand, and now it's worth seven hundred thousand. Right. Well, if you wanted to sell it today, instead of paying taxes on that five hundred thousand dollars of gains, you could sell it for seven hundred thousand, and the cost basis would be seven hundred thousand, which means you wouldn't own any taxes. Yeah, and I think bigger picture, one of the things to look at for what James is just describing is when people do pass away, there can potentially be this thing that we call estate taxes that you have to pay. But now the threshold for estate taxes is actually really, really high. For an individual, it's uh, 11 point something, I think like 11.3 and change million. million. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for a couple, it would be twice that. So if, if mom and dad's estate's under $10 million, for most people it is, $11 million, there's really nothing to worry about for um, stepping up basis. Like um, James is just, is just saying, it's basically like anything that's a taxable investment, so like a home or a... Uh, art collection or a car collection or stocks in a stock account that's an investment account not yeah not an ira not a 401k not an annuity but like something that's actually a tangible investment what they do is is they go look at well what day did your family member pass away 
And then that's the day that they mark those assets to the market. And that's what steps up your basis. So from that moment on, that's the new value of the stock for gains and losses moving forward. Right, right, exactly. And so when we look at other assets like cash, well, that's another one. You just receive that. Not that there's ever any gain in cash because it doesn't grow. Um, But cash, you'd want to look at what what account type is it? Is it something that you're parents owned and and it was in the trust and it was given to you but that's something that you would inherit or any other beneficiaries Mm -hmm. a taxable account same thing if there was a gain on stocks that your parents owned there's a step up in that and you now can inherit those along with any other beneficiaries it's really things like iras roth iras 401ks other accounts like that that you will treat differently you'll treat those differently because you will transfer those into what's called an inherited ira again this is assuming that both parents have passed Okay, yeah, I think we have to talk specifically about what's happened here when we talk about that because I get lost in it and I'm sure you guys... I'm just ex- I'm just hoping you can read my mind. <laughs> okay, so both parents have already passed away. Home steps up in basis. Cash is cash. Mm-hmm. Taxable accounts, those assets step up in basis. IRAs are going to pass to the beneficiaries as they're named. Correct. At the IRA. So, if, if, so I, for instance, have uh, myself and two siblings. So if we were each named to be a 33% owner of a $100,000 account, we would each get a $33,000 IRA, inherited right. IRA from that. Right. Roth IRA would be the same thing. Um, and then personal property, you just have to, you get to, if, if both family members have passed away, that's um, estate sales and things like that to decide what things we want to keep and what things we want to help get rid of. Um, the other thing that's on the, uh, that can be on the balance sheet, especially for younger, if a younger parent passes away and they're still working, especially in like a tech company or a stock, uh, a, a bigger company. Uh, see if they you want to know if they have stock options like restricted stock units non-qualified stock options incentive stock options Um, and the reason why is because when someone passes away um, you can start running oftentimes you'll start running a clock on the amount of time that you have to figure out what you want to do with those assets yeah you don't want to um you don't want them to expire. You don't want them to expire because then it's it's money that could potentially be the families and be helpful, especially if, if maybe mom and dad were alive and mom was working at a company and dad wasn't. And you want to make sure that those assets go to dad. So mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So de- stock options are one of those things that you want to take a look at uh, really quickly if that is something that exists, if, if a parent passes. Yeah. Um, and then next is debts. Although I think there's some confusion on, okay, well, the mortgage is being paid, uh, maybe other debts are being paid. How, what happens with that? Well, those are just going to continue being billed to the same bank account, typically. Yeah. What you'll want to do, if, if now again, if, if, if mom survives dad or dad survives, if, if there's a spouse that survives the other, this is probably in both of their names. The mortgage probably was, the bank account's probably were. So they just continue paying it. But if both parents have passed, then that's where the executor steps in and uses assets either from cash in the bank or uh, life insurance proceeds or other type of any other type of cash proceeds to continue paying that. And that's where the executor would step in and understand how do we keep paying any debts that the, that the estate essentially has at that point. Yeah. And I think that's where, so this is a good point to kind of pause as well. Again, like if, if I was going to sit down and have this conversation my parents, I've been like, okay, guys, well, well, you know, if, if, if they're willing to have these conversations, sometimes people are close to the chest and they're not going to share it all. But, you know, letting them know, like, hey, I want to make sure you're taken care of. If right. you're the one who you want to be taking care of you, let's have this conversation now so I have a better sense of what's going on. So I'm not just coming into this cold, not knowing where to go find things and what you guys have. So what are your what's, – what's the home – What's it worth? Do we have a mortgage on it? Yep. What other debts do we have outstanding? Like what credit card companies do you guys use? You yeah. Know, where do you guys keep your bank accounts? 
where are your IRAs and your Roth IRAs? Um, do we have personal property that's really a value that you wish would pass specifically to specific people? Um, do you have stock options at work that we need to know about? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, take the time to get to know that ahead of time so if anything happens, you guys are good. Um, I actually think another little level up there, if they're, if they're um, you know, more and more family members and everyone's getting smarter about using password protectors. So companies like LastPass and I can't remember the names of all the umpteen numbers. Vault. Whatever all the other password One password, are. yeah. But it's like if they write down their master password in a place where it's safe for them to keep it and they know it, but they also let you know where it is, then you have – a digital access to a lot of this stuff for them to help them as you're taking on that executive role as well. That can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're, someone's going to, the bills don't just go away. Right. Still have to get paid. Right. And yeah. especially like if I think of it as like, if Amanda and I, I pass away, I don't necessarily want Amanda to have to worry about going and paying bills in that moment. It'd be really nice for someone else to right. help her out. Right? right. So it'd be nice to have that set up ahead of time. Yeah, definitely. And, and then uh, looking at insurance. So life insurance is a big one, of course. If someone passes, you want to understand, did they have life insurance? If they were still working, was it an employee benefit that you want to begin the process of going to claim? If not, did they have a term life or a, a whole life insurance policy outside of that that you can begin the process of of claiming? And typically all you need for that is a death certificate and then you approach the life insurance company and they'll give you some paperwork to fill out to, to receive those proceeds. Yeah. And the nice thing is life insurance, it's, it's all tax-free. So if you're going to receive that, you don't need to worry about withholding taxes from any of that. Uh, it is a tax-free benefit. And then other things. Did your parents have a long-term care insurance policy? And did, 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 did both of them pass? If so, that's something that you can look to cancel. Were there any return of premium riders on that? Were there other aspects to that? But un- it, it really comes down to understanding, is there any benefit to any of these, any asset value to any of these? Or if not... Can they be canceled because insurance is no longer needed? Right. And if there would have been a return of premium rider, it should show up on their balance sheet. Right. Right. So they should know it. Another thing to go back to the balance sheet, we're not really diving deeply into estate planning documents right now, but it's like, do they hold everything in a trust? Right. Do they have a will with a testamentary trust, depending on what state they're in? Do they have powers of attorney with pour over wills? Like, do they have an estate plan in place so that you understand the mechanics of what's going to happen? Or are you going to find yourself in probate court having to deal with this, which can be a large, a long and arduous process? Yeah, and expensive. Yeah. And before yeah. we get to that, because I think there's, we could probably understanding what their estate plan looks like is going to be helpful. And then if they don't have one, perhaps understanding within the state, what is a reasonable estate plan to have based on the amount of assets that they have would also be helpful. Yep. Um, But why don't we also touch upon, um, are there any tax related issues that we want to touch upon as well? Yeah. So if, if one spouse, one parent passes and is survived by the other, uh, the surviving spouse could, or will still qualify for the, the $500,000, capital gains housing exclusion which means if, if they've if, lived in the house two out of the last five years as a couple right they could they could they could go ahead and sell without having to pay capital gains on a half million dollars so if they bought for half a million and the house is now worth a million and they go sell there's no gain to be paid for exactly and that continues so let's say your parents are planning on selling and then one of your parents passes away for the next two years your surviving parent can still sell and take full advantage of that five hundred thousand dollar capital gain housing exclusion. So, so that's one thing to note. Um, did your parent own other property jointly, such as investment accounts? So they could have owned it jointly with another parent. I have I've just dealing with this with a, a client recently, where the client parent passed away, but she and her father owned accounts jointly, and so she's receiving a step up in basis for some of those. So, depending upon the the state that you live in. Um, 
you may receive a step up in basis even if you own part of that property jointly. And so this depends on whether parents owned it jointly, you owned it with a parent jointly, um, but understand what, what step up in basis is and what does it apply to. Yeah, and step up in basis really quickly. We kind of touched on it earlier, but imagine that like dad bought McDonald's for $2 a share back in the 1960s and and he just passed away. And I don't know what the stock price is today, but let's just pretend that it's $100. Yeah. So there's a $98 gain in that stock. Well, it, by when dad passed away, it actually just stepped up to a basis of $100, whatever the price is today. Yep. And we no longer worry about the gain that used to exist. That's yes. what we mean when we say a step up in basis. Yes. Yeah. And, and it can be very helpful because sometimes there's huge gains and sometimes right. you don't even know what those gains are because dad bought it in the 60s, like you said, right. and he didn't keep track of what it was bought for. So that can get tough. I actually had to, to like give a, a, we had a, at my old firm, we had a, a, a lovely, lovely um, woman come in who, whose husband had passed away and she brought in this, this box full of documents. And when I went and looked through it, I found about $600,000 worth of stock certificates in it, right? So it's like you just never know yeah. sometimes what people yeah. are going to bring in. But it was uh, it was really helpful for her. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, that would be nice to find. Yeah. Um, make sure that your parents' prior income taxes have been paid. So this doesn't include – this isn't estate taxes, but if a parent passes, and let's say the past early 2020 – well, they probably haven't filed for 2019 yet. Yeah. Do you need to make sure that taxes are filed for that year? Because that's still going to be a requirement by the IRS. Mm-hmm. An important one when someone's married and loses one spouse is that married filing jointly is a benefit that we get when we file our taxes too. And so understand that if, if one of your parents passes away and now you have a surviving um, widow or widower, they can still file jointly in the year that um, their spouse passed away. Yeah. And that's usually of a tax benefit and it actually can be an interest. It can be a good planning year for the family too because after that year, tax rates change. Right. So it's a good year to really look at like how does um, mom or dad need to reposition these assets if in any way um, in that year can be really helpful if yep. it's possible. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, I know I know that's a flyover and this is a little bit jumping around because there's a whole bunch of different things, whether a uh, parent passed away and they were survived by another parent or whether they passed away and, and you're trying to kind of understand what's next from there. But anything else that you want to add to this? You know, I think honestly the biggest thing is if, if you can have a conversation with your parents, a heart-to-heart, to understand where they're at with things. Maybe they don't share the exact numbers of what they have in these accounts, but they start to explain where things are. And, you know, you guys get a plan in place for how you would help them go about taking care of these things. Yeah. It just helps streamline things and make life so much easier. Um, and and they may not understand how how the mechanics of this stuff works and what's what's beneficial, right? So um, I actually had a friend who had a family, uh, her, um, her dad passed away and um, unexpectedly. And they, uh, husband and wife, mom and dad, had just sold a piece of real estate. And they were going on a trip. So before they went, he went and put the proceeds from the house in a savings account. Well, the savings account was only in his name. Um, and that little thing, you know, it, we, no one knew, we didn't, no one knew he was going to pass away. It was very sad when he did, but, um, it actually just the way the structure of things made it more difficult because then yeah. we, uh, a, a probate type of process had to occur to get those funds to mom when they 
easily could have been moms if things had just been set up a little bit differently from go. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's a great point is that the, the best way to approach this is to get ahead of it on the front end, yeah. titled everything correctly. We'll do another episode on that. Make sure that everything's registered correctly, understand where everything is. It makes the process so much easier and smoother if that's the case. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I hope you guys found this one useful. Um, I know we, it's, it's always cryptic to talk about people passing away, but it happens every day. And you know, if, if you can, um, take a little bit of time to help out your parents now, um, it will pay off in the end. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode number 59 of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And this show is created to answer your questions about finance. So if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website, which can be found at realpersonalfinance.co. And there'll be a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question that Scott and I will answer in a future episode. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.